from Hamster Wheel Publishing. This is Freewheeling. The show that answers your questions about veterinary business and leadership. With me, Dr. Dave Nichol. Hi, I'm Dr. Dave Nichol, and you're tuned into another episode of Freewheeling, the veterinary business question and answer show that has curiously not been so much about business, but more been about life recently, uh, with all the graduate questions. Anyway, let's get into today's question, which comes from Elise Cooper. Thank you, Elise, it's on Facebook. Uh, if you're not following on the Facebook page, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash Dr. Dave Nicol, D-R-D-A-V-E-N-I-C-O-L. Love to connect with you on there and you can post your questions on that or via Instagram. Now, Elise asks, what are the top five things, ooh, I like a good top five thing question. What are the top five things a strong veterinary leader needs within their own practice to keep the team happy and efficient? Uh, all right, so let's think about this. So first of all, a strong veterinary leader and then the keeping the team happy and efficient. All right, two things that are you just can't separate them out. So it's a great question, Elise. And so for me, I think let's start with the first thing and that is what is the business all about? Why is it different to some other practice? It's all about the vision. Um, and another word for vision is your why. Like, why are you doing everything? Where are you guys going to be as a practice, as individuals in the next 12 months, uh, 24 months, three years, five years, 10 years? What is the long-term vision? I don't think it's you know, good enough nowadays to simply say we're a vet practice and we help animals. Um, you know, the competition in the marketplace now to hire staff in the first instance is huge. Um, same with clients. Um, and so you have to have a standout reason. That's one of the reasons we're seeing niche uh, industries or niche branches of our industry develop is because people are finding what bit of it they like and doing it very, very well. Way better, in fact, than general practices can do. And I think that's a trend that's gonna continue. So I think it's very important to be clear about what your why is from the off. What are your unique selling propositions? Um, and there's a number of those that you could have. So for example, you could build a unique selling proposition on you, the quality of your service, or you could do it on the speed of your service or the price of your service. Um, you could subdivide that down and, and, and you can have like many unique selling propositions um, within certain areas. So. In my practice, uh, always, always, always dentistry is a big one. Uh, you know, it's my clinical passion, and so, and it's what what my teams are very, very good at. Um, so we like to be able to say that we're the best in dentistry locally. That gives us a focal point for for our marketing to customers, but also when we're marketing for team members as well, because we're not looking for just a vet to join us. We want somebody who's passionate about dentistry. So I think if you've got that vision, then you can start to attract the right um, the right people, and I mean customers and, and team members, into the practice. So that's number one, have the right vision. Uh, number two is totally related to that, and, and I think you have to then work with that vision, with the values, with the things that matter to you, uh, to hire in people that are a good fit for your team that you can work with every day. Because you know, you're gonna spend eight to 10 to 12 hours every day uh, with these people. And if you're the leader or the owner, you're not going anywhere. 
right? They might go places, but you're really not in such a, a position that you can just duck out whenever you like. You're in it for the long haul. So I think you, you know, in order to build happy teams, you've got to hire based on core values uh, that overlap enough that when the tough moments come, that you guys can work through those moments and and then I think you, you've got a far better chance of having harmonious, uh, non-toxic, happy workplace. So that's number two. I think the next thing a strong leader has to do is set the standard and, and, and when I say set the standard, I don't just mean walk the walk and talk the talk, I mean document these things as well. So walk the walk, talk the talk in terms of what behaviors are acceptable and indeed desirable in your practice. So what does the culture look like? Is the culture one of toxicity like happens in a lot of clinics or is the culture one where we openly discuss our problems, um, have them out, deal with them when they're little problems with respect and with uh, with uh, the right attitude towards another person's perspective. So with keeping other people, holding them in, es with, in esteem and treating them with respect so they feel listened to. Um, or is it one where, you know, we are going to bitch in little cliques and moan about stuff and we're going to uh, have a teams that are really basically in mutiny, but it's, it's covert mutiny, who they're not gonna do what they're asked to do because they don't believe in it, um, and they've developed their own little system for communicating within practice. So what are the behavioral standards? Um, they need to be documented, and then they need to be adhered to. So as a leader, you know, it's the standard that you walk past is the standard that you are tacitly condoning. So if somebody's behavior is not ideal, if they're not, if they're not pulling their weight, if they're bitching, if they're, uh, if they're talking about other people behind their back, um, if they're not doing the things that you pay them to do, and you don't have what I call a performance conversation with that person, then of course everybody else is gonna get the message that, well, we don't actually have to work at the level that we're paid to work at because that person there is doing it and they're getting away with it. And so that's going to be a very erosive thing for your team, um, and then that, that, that's definitely going to work in a way that delivers an unhappy and an inefficient team that's not engaged in the process. So there's three things. I think number four, leaders have to be very, very good at listening. That's a, that's a big part of your toolkit, being able to listen to what is going on in the ground, listen to feedback. Um, you know, as leaders, often we're the other way around and we like to speak and tell people all the time. But I think as our leadership skills increase and as our trust in our teams increase, we have to be able to give them more space, more rope, more leeway to try to grow, to learn. And oftentimes that means listening to what they need and providing it. Um, and listening to their feedback on their environment as they grow and develop uh, and what their needs are. So I think two years, one mouth, really healthy ratio um, to, to work in as a leader. And then I think the thing that should be coming out of our mouth more is probably recognition. Um, so when something does something right, giving them recognition, giving them praise. And I actually think that's a really big deal for our millennial generation now who like it or not, have kind of been spoon-fed praise for not necessarily doing very much uh, at school. You know, the attitude towards um, everybody had to be a winner and there are no losers that, that seem to have crept into school where competition was a bad thing. Um, 
you can kind of understand the the reasons why that that sort of seems to have been adopted but also it's just not what life is like it's not been like that in the real world uh, since we were cave people um you know where competition was everything you know we have of course a more humane and just society now but in in the real world we still compete for resources uh, there is no way everybody can be number one at something and so part of coming in second or third or fourth or fifth or, or last is the experience of going through that and working out that you have to try harder you have to do better or um, you have, what can you learn from that experience so I think making sure that we are praising people when they do something right is very important and that we're not crushing them when they do something wrong we're picking them up with useful constructive uh, sincerely given compassionate well-intentioned feedback and when we get it wrong as, as feedback conversations can go wrong from time to time because they can be awkward when you're getting used to them that we forgive ourselves we don't just walk away and leave it festering but you can you know once once the emotion's gone you can just tap someone on the shoulder and go you know what that conversation I could have been better in that and I don't feel like we had a good experience so could we try that again and here's what I really meant and just practice because and I'm giving you more than, more than five now and I appreciate that but being freaking humble and being honest and, and, and giving yourself permission to fail, like having an ego that can handle screwing it up as the leader, I think that's pretty important as well because, you know, as leaders, again, one of the paradigms we have, one of the behaviors we have is we, we catch people in the act of doing something wrong, we, we chew them out about it, and then when we do something wrong, we don't tell people or we don't admit our, our place in that, and, and, and we, we can get quickly into blame mode, um, whereas I think, when we get something wrong and a conversation doesn't go right, even if we've been our best and the other person's not been so good, it still doesn't hurt for us to say we could have been better there because um, it sets the example for others to follow. Um, so there you go, there's, there's my five tips for you or, and a little bonus one thrown in there at least. I hope that is in some way useful. There's no way in a 10 minute video I can do justice to everything in leadership, um, but hopefully you get the sense on, on a lot of my content that that's what we're talking about is how to build strong team leaders, uh, to build strong happy teams and to really make things better in veterinary medicine for everyone. So thank you very much for your time. This is me saying cheerio uh, and of course as always be well be safe be happy i will see you in the next episode thank you for listening to that episode of freewheeling i hope you enjoyed it if you did leave me a rating or review on itunes that'd be much appreciated now if you want to have your question answered Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. It's at Dr. Dave Nicol. That's D-R-D-A-V-E-N-I-C-O-L. I'll see you in the next episode.